Welcome to the Colonel in Your Corner podcast, hosted by Carl Truman. Carl is a retired U.S. Army colonel and award-winning personal injury attorney with over 30 years fighting for the people. On the show, Carl speaks with public servants who share with you their service journey. The guests talk about stories of leadership and helping others. And now, here's your host, Carl Truman. Welcome to the show. My guest today is Dr. Mark Barrett, a medical doctor here in Louisville, Kentucky. Welcome to the show, Dr. Barrett. Thank you. Thank you for asking me along. Well, Dr. Barrett, I thought it'd be a good idea with your uh, background as a uh, emergency medicine physician and years in the hospital setting and now in a clinical setting uh, some of the, the tips and some of the things that you've seen over the years with people who have been involved in car collisions. Um, first, tell us a little bit about your background in, in medicine. Sure. Um, well, I did my undergraduate education in Kentucky at Asbury College, um, went to medical school in Georgia, in Augusta, Georgia, and then I did my surgery training for five years in Columbia, South Carolina. Uh, when I finished that, I came back to Kentucky to go into practice, and I practiced in Winchester, Kentucky, in Winchester Surgical Associates until 98, and then left that practice to go into full-time emergency medicine, which I did through 2008. It was at that point that I noticed a niche. You know, we in the ER will see people after, like you pointed out, car wrecks. We see a lot of those, and we would tell them, well, you know, follow up with your family doctor. And invariably, they'd be back in a week or two and say, my family doctor won't see me. <laughs> and uh, that I'd say 90, maybe more percent of the doctors in this area will not see car wrecks. And there are a lot of different reasons for that. It's, uh, it's complicated work. It's uh, massive amounts of paperwork. But bottom line is nobody was doing that in the MD field. Now, chiropractors were seeing them all the time, but not medical doctors. So uh, that's how I wound up where I am, because I always like taking care of trauma. You know, I had done that my whole career. Uh, I left surgery because my wife got ill and needed me home more than I did ER, enjoyed it much. But when I hit 50, I couldn't stay up all night anymore. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> so, <laughs> so I found this. And, and you're right. We have a clinic practice. What we do basically is physician-monitored physical therapy for injured people. And it's mainly car wrecks, but it's also industrial accidents, slip falls, things like that, where somebody's going to need some therapy. It's uh, a really gratifying thing to do because, again, I'm taking care of, a, I'd say, the majority of my patients are patients that don't have anywhere else to go. In fact, our biggest referral source are uh, the uh, medical people uh, here in our area who will refer them to us. And it's, uh, it's been a, a lot of fun also working with him, and, and, and if I could explain why I'm talking to a lawyer, mm -hmm. because uh, I had to go through a paradigm shift on that. Uh, a lot of doctors are, are, I'll just use the word, fearful of talking to lawyers because they think somehow there's going to be some kind of negative thing there. And, 
And I found out that wasn't true. The lawyers were not the bugaboos that I had been told in medical school. Literally, they were. I realized these these were not people who were out there chasing ambulances. These were people who clients would come to them and say, look, I got hurt and I don't know what to do now. Uh, because you all do advertise that pretty well. Look, if you've been hurt, call us. And the reason is they don't know where else to go. And uh, it was really interesting to me as I started working with some of these referrals from attorneys that I realized that these are just people who are trying to help these patients the same way I'm trying to help them medically. They're trying to help them get their life back on track. I mean, I mean a car wreck's a big deal for people. I mean, they, they don't have a car to drive anymore most of the time. They may not be able to work. Uh, they it can be emotionally, psychologically very frightening to have the near-death experience a lot of times. Mm-hmm. And I realized, you know, I need, I need to help these guys and be more holistic in my thinking. And that's why I get a lot of referrals from attorneys as well and am proud to work with those who are helping these people get their life back on track. That's probably more of a speech than you wanted, but oh, that's really? how I got where I am. Oh, great information. Thank you. Uh, I'm sure uh, in your current practice and over the years, you've seen a wide range of uh, severity of injuries, sometimes fairly minor injuries, sometimes very serious injuries. And so yeah. what do you advise someone who's maybe been in a car crash and they're, trying, an to, question. Yeah. they're trying to decide, well, you know, I'll just wait a week and see if it gets better or not. And, and then I'll decide if I need to see a doctor. Well, in the really massive car wrecks where somebody is very clearly seriously injured right away, they need to be in a hospital setting. They need to be seen in the emergency department. Most car wrecks are not like that. Um, most car wrecks, the way uh, safety me- mechanisms are in cars now, uh, safer roads, uh, people are having not as many of, thank God, not as many of the very, very serious car wrecks. So if I would say to someone, if you're in a car wreck where, uh, you know, like you said, it could be something minor where you just had a fender bender, or it could be something in a grade up from that. Maybe even you got hit hard enough, your airbags deployed. But if, if you're able to walk and move around and do stuff, then you probably don't need to go to the emergency department unless you have some kind of overriding, really scary symptom. Now, if you want, we see people the same day at Katerra, C-A-T-E-R-R-A is, is our operation. And we're, we're glad to do that. But especially, as you pointed out, a lot of times people, well, they've had a car wreck. They're excited. Their adrenaline's flowing. A lot of times they don't feel anything at all that first day. Mm-hmm. But, man, that next day or even a few days later, they'll start going, what the heck did I do to my back or my neck or my shoulder? That's mm-hmm. probably the most common scenario, actually. And uh, a lot of times they'll get criticized for that. By people saying, "Well, if you were if you were hurt, why didn't you go to the doctor right away?" Well, they they were feeling okay, or more likely, they were hoping it would just be a temporary thing and would pass. You know, sometimes it does. If you're better in 24 hours, you don't need me. But most of the time, if you have something that starts in a day or two, it's going to get worse and worse and worse and worse. That's the nature of that injury. And uh, at that point, you need to see a medical professional. Uh, what we do is, is full service. We, we'll do physician exam, physical therapy exam, x-rays, MRIs, whatever they need. We have access to one of the few um, acute pain management clinics in the state with a board-certified physician on that staff as well. So uh, that's what we do, and that's what we bring to the table for those people. But I would tell people, use your judgment. 
if you don't really think you're hurt that bad, but if it starts getting worse, then you need to see somebody. Well, especially I would think in, to, in today's time of COVID fears, uh, yeah. most yeah. people probably don't want to sit around in a crowded emergency room <laughs> unless they have to. And we see, we have seen that a lot over the last couple of years, as you pointed out, people like, Look, I don't want to go to a, a crowded emergency room and wait for four or five hours because that very well could happen or longer. And those are legitimate fears, actually. One of the one of the, uh, the issues that I've seen, though, is even if you may not need to go to the emergency room right after the wreck, is to at least see someone promptly afterwards. Yes, yes you should. You don't want to wait a month or two. And, and let, let me explain why everything gets worse, okay? This is, for any medical people who are out there listening, this is going to be a gross oversimplification. I get that. But what I, this is how I explain things to my patients who are usually not medical professionals. Sometimes they right. are. But uh, when you get in a wreck, uh, let's say a rear-end collision, it's a really common kind of crash. The person gets vaulted forward hard against these restraints and then bounce back hard into the head restraint behind them. But the problem is it happens in a fraction of a second. The speed of movement is faster than someone can make themselves move. And when you do that, you're going to injure these supportive tissues. We call them soft tissues, and especially in the neck and the back, muscles, tendons, ligaments. And they actually get these small microscopic tears. It bleeds, lactic acid gets in there, and again, it's microscopic level. But mm-hmm. still, that has to um, progress into the inflammation stage. And the inflammation makes things swell, makes things tighten up, and actually those injuries get bigger. <laughs> And you start getting more lactic acid buildup that can't be drained away because of damaged microscopic blood vessels. And that's why they get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. It's not in your head. It's a medical problem. Mm-hmm. And then if you don't take care of that, if it, in fact, one of the worst things you could do is just lay on the couch for a week. Uh, that'll definitely make it worse because you're, you're not opposing uh, that trauma that makes all that spasticity. That means the muscles bunch up literally and get tighter and tighter and tighter. So or people want to wear a brace. Yeah. Yeah. Don't do that. I've seen these people go around with these neck collars, you know, and things. You can do that for 24, 48 hours. But longer than that, you're actually causing damage, very likely. Now, I'm not going to say what I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about somebody who broke their neck, broke their back, something Mm -hmm. like that. I'm talking about the more common soft tissue. Now, the other thing is you can get joint injuries. A driver holding on to a steering wheel. It's a very rapid rotation in that shoulder. They can tear the rotator cuff or a labrum. Mm-hmm. A knee can hit up under a dashboard, and you can get uh, tears in the meniscus. And so we see those kinds of things as well, or a sprained ankle from jamming on the brake so hard. Mm-hmm. Um, those th- things need to be treated. Um, and if you treat it properly, you heal much quicker. And, you know, you usually do not need to have – I've seen some professionals out there who will try and treat people for six months or something. You, you don't really need that. If we treat people for a month or two and get them better most of the time, and if they're not, there's probably an underlying problem where they need to see a specialist, an orthopedist, a neurosurgeon, a neurologist. And that's what we do. We then shunt them into that. Or in some people, unfortunately, they really just don't get better and we have to move them into a chronic pain management program. But that, you know, that's unusual. Most of the time, people will get better with proper treatment. And you're talking about like the positioning and the collisions. And one of the things that, that I see in cases too, sometimes is how the person 
is position. So if their head is twisted or bent over and twisted, how does that play into a medical diagnosis? Well, you're absolutely right. That's an out of position injury. Uh, A lot of times people will have their head turned looking up in their rear view mirror at this horrible (laughs) impending crash. I've been there. I've seen that in my rear view. (laughs) (laughs) Or they may have their head turned talking to the passenger in the front seat or vice versa, passenger talking to the driver. Uh, that out of position injury means that your body's being thrown in lots of different ways. It's not just a straightforward forward and back. Like I talked about with a rear end collision now, because your body's moved, you're going to move in lots of different ways. Now that is another point. A side impact collision can really be tough too, because our bodies don't like going sideways real fast. Mm. Uh, Side curtain airbags have helped a lot. And those things have kept people, you know, the airbags keep people from breaking their neck. That's what they're designed to do, but you can mm-hmm. still get hurt. I mean, you're still being moved very rapidly in weird ways, even like a corkscrew pattern. Unless you have a movie playing at the time that the accident happens, you don't really know exactly what happens. So that's something we see all the time. People say it happens so fast. I, I have no idea how my body moved. And Our, crash scene reconstruction shows that quite well. Or I've heard clients say that they felt like they were, when they were hit in the rear, they were thrown forward first. Right. That's not really what's happened. <laughs> but, but so, but is that a sensation that it happened so fast? The person yeah. might not even know, but they actually right. think they're going forward. That is what happened. Your brain just doesn't have time to record it that fast. And, uh, you know, so I've actually had insurance companies want to play gotcha with clients to say, uh, what, well, you said you went forward first and that's impossible. So you must be making this up. You know that I've had more people, sitting in my office over the last 12 years or so, especially, and in tears because some person that's not a medical person Mm -hmm. is making them feel like they're a liar or that they're making things up or magnifying their symptoms. And, you know, that's usually not the case. Mm -hmm. Um, And you're the one who would tell people this. uh, Look, if you think you're going to fake a a wreck and get rich, that's not going to (laughs) happen. And that's not what we're trying to do. We're trying to help them get better. You're trying to help them get their bills paid. And and we get that. We get that. But most people are being honest. Now, that scenario that I gave about what happens in the wreck, I have to do that with patients all the time because, frankly, with all the stuff that's out there, a lot of people start questioning themselves. You know, mm-hmm. am, am I really hurt? And, and Is this just all in my head? Maybe I'm just being a big baby. And that's why I will explain to them, no, you really did get hurt. I can feel it in your body. When I do a physical exam, I can feel that spasticity and I can tell it you can't move very well. And I'll tell them, look, you've got a medical professional who's objectively looking at you saying, yes, you really did get hurt. Uh, and, and that's important. To, I think the most important person in this equation that all of us sometimes forget is the patient. They're the ones who are in, in shock sometimes, but they're certainly disappointed at the disbelief. And see, that's another thing. Don't ask your neighbor what they think, <laughs> you know, unless they're a medical professional or, or, or a Facebook. lawyer. Or Facebook. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's Facebook or somebody at church or whatever. They may mean well, but just because they were in a wreck and didn't get hurt is meaningless. I mean, you you and I have both seen, and everybody listening, you've both seen or heard of wrecks where there was horrible damage to the car, and but they walked away without a scratch. That happens. Mm-hmm. It also happens the opposite way where there's hardly any damage at all to the car, but maybe because they were out of position, like we were talking earlier, for whatever reason, 
they actually did get injured. Mm-hmm. And so both ends of those spectrum happen. So yeah. go to a professional and get them to check it out. Don't just see what people think on Facebook. Yeah, right? the, the analogy I, I tell people is, you know, when you go to the store and buy a carton of eggs, do you ever open the carton to see if the eggs have been cracked? Oh, I like that. Why That's would good. you, if the carton looks okay, why would you open the carton to see that the eggs are all okay? Right. Yeah, I do that every time I buy eggs. <laughs> Everybody does, but but yet there's this there's this myth that uh, you know that if you can't see the damage, then you can't be hurt, or if it's not, yeah, as and high, that's just not right. true. So that's yeah, that, that's that's the story I always tell. Well, why do you? I like that. that. I why like do you that. open a carton of eggs? <laughs> well, um, what are some of the? You mentioned objective versus subjective, and for a medical sure. professional, what does that mean? Those two terms have a lot of meaning. Subjective means that's what you feel. That's what you're experiencing. Pain, uh, emotional upset, headaches are subjective. And the problem with subjective things is not that you're not experiencing them, like some person may have told you, but it's that there's no way for me to get inside your body and verify that that's what you're feeling and to that degree. Now, Nobody can do that. We haven't gotten that kind of technology. Mm -hmm. But what we can do is we listen to what the patient tells us or the client is telling you. And then we look on our physical exam and the way we ask questions for things that will validate what they're telling. Like, for example, uh, when I I told you I put my hands on people on a physical exam, if they are having spasm, I can feel that in their neck, in their back. Mm-hmm. Another thing that is objective, relatively, is problems with movement. They may not be able to move their neck or move their back. Now, people say, well, wait a minute. Somebody could fake not being able to move very well. Well, we have ways of getting around that mm-hmm. uh, just by watching. You know, if they tell me they can't turn their head, but then they watch and follow me as I walk around the room, yeah, mm-hmm. they could. <laughs> but somebody right. who's got an injured neck will turn their shoulders. That's just an example. We have lots of little things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's another example of something objective. Certainly, if I find something on an X-ray or an MRI, that's subjective. And then the range of motion thing, we're doing multiple exams. We're saying, seeing them say three times a week. That's typical. We're having multiple examiners, myself, physical therapist, nurse practitioner, uh, radiologic technician, see them over multiple times. And we'll generally be looking for that trend of their range of motion. Is it getting worse? Is it getting better? And that's relatively objective as well. You know, uh, talking about some of these uh, testing, so it seems that when someone does go to an emergency room or somewhere, they always want to, the first thing they want to do is take an x-ray. And then the x-ray is normal. So then the insurance company says, well, your x-ray was normal. There's nothing wrong with you. I've seen dead people with normal (laughs) (laughs) x-rays. Okay. That does not mean that there's nothing wrong with you. And unfortunately, I've actually had patients tell me while I went to the ER, and the doctor did an x-ray and told me there was, there was nothing wrong. That's really not what they should be saying. That ER doctor should instead be saying, I don't see anything on the x-ray like a broken bone or an out-of-place joint. Or, and that's true. And the reason is x-rays show bones. They do not show muscles, tendons, ligaments, those soft tissues. And you get some hints sometimes for swelling. But, you know, the, those x-rays aren't designed for that. The reason they do an x-ray is they want to make sure you didn't break your neck. That's why they did that or break your back or shoulder or whatever. And that's one of the problems. If you really don't think that you're seriously hurt, but if you go to the ER anyway, sometimes they run up a 
huge bill with lots of diagnostic tests. Mm-hmm. And I'll leave it to your imagination why a hospital would want to encourage their doctors to do all that. I'm not going to point fingers, but it's really not necessary most of the time to just x-ray the whole body practically. Uh, mm-hmm. Instead, you should be doing focused testing. And what does that mean? That means if they come in and they're complaining of they hurt their knee, I'm going to x-ray their knee. I'm not going to also x-ray everything else in their body. I'm not going to be doing shoulders and hips and the other knee and that, unless there's a reason to. Your patient's complaint, that's the subjective, your findings on exam direct you to what you really should be looking at. And and you want somebody who's got a lot of experience to do that because we, we know how to do that and focus in on what the problem also, we may find things that you hadn't even noticed. I saw that this morning. Somebody t- told me that they were in a rack. How's your back doing? Because I noticed they weren't moving very well. Uh, she was, oh, my back's fine. But the minute I touched her back, she was like, ow. <laughs> she hadn't even noticed. And the reason was she had another problem somewhere else that was bothering her so bad. She didn't notice that her back was actually hurt. We see that a lot. And that's a great point that uh, you bring that out because I've seen cases where Someone, you know, maybe had a back injury and it, which was horrible pain. And then a few weeks later, they start complaining of their knee. Yeah, and, happens all the time. the insurance company says, well, you didn't complain of your knee at the ER, so we're not going to consider that. Yeah, and that's really unfair. That's really unfair. Um, and, and I get it. They have to run their business. I'm not going to tell them how to do that. I'm not a businessman. But uh it's really unfair to tell somebody, well, you can't be feeling what you're feeling because you would have been complaining about it earlier. Well, no. They, like I said, that first day of the wreck, a lot of times people have so much adrenaline go through your body or they're panicking. They, uh, uh, one of the first things that happens to a lot of people is they say, look, I just want to go home. Right. That's a very frequent response to people. Uh, but a lot of times, as you pointed out, if we start working on, for example, their back. And then they start saying, you know, I'm having trouble walking here. My knee is really giving me trouble. But they didn't notice it because mm-hmm. they were having so much pain from their back that until we got that relief, they didn't really notice the knee problem or some other kind of problem. We see that all the time, too. So where do things like MRIs come? I mean, because everybody talks about you know, getting an MRI, getting an MRI. Where does that, when is that appropriate and where does that come into play? MRIs are important. It's a relatively new tool. It's only been around, what, 30 years now, I think. And um, I remember when they when they first came out, I saw some of the pictures and I thought, well, this isn't going to go anywhere (laughs) (laughs) because the technology wasn't that good. You didn't invest in them back then. (laughs) No, no, I did. Of course, I went to medical school when the earth was still cooling. So, you know, that was me. But uh, MRI, like I said, X-ray show bones This is, again, for you medical people. I know this is oversimplification. Just bear with me. MRI shows the other stuff the soft tissues, muscles, tendons, ligaments, nerves, that kind of thing, an MRI does see. That's why it's so useful. Let's say, for example, that you've been working on someone who has a neck strain, and you think they have a whiplash injury, and they're complaining of the neck pain. They're getting some better in therapy. They're saying, you know, this is running down my arm, all the way down to my hand, pretty consistently. Well, then you start having to think about, do they have a pinched nerve in their neck? And that can be from different things. One of the things we really worry about is a herniated disc. Now, your your bones in your neck and your back are stacked like checkers. Between those bones, you have this soft, rubbery thing. That's what a disc is. A disc is actually soft kind of tissue. And when you move it very rapidly or violently, you can get a tear. And that 
liquid gel inside that disc can start coming out and pushing on the spinal cord in front or the nerves on the side of the spinal cord. Well, that can be a cause of pain radiating from the neck into the arm or back pain radiating down the leg. Now, the other thing the MRI is very good for is looking at joints, like shoulders. You see the rotator cuff quite well. And in knees, you can see a meniscus tear quite well. And so if we are suspicious that may be what's going on, we'll get that MRI. Uh, so we do get a lot of MRIs with soft tissue injuries because frequently those structures have been hurt. And that's what we're looking for. It's not something we do the day they walk in unless they've got overwhelming evidence of what we call radiculopathy. I mean, if they come right out of the rack and go, man, I can't stand this. That pain is running all the way down to my hand. I can't use my arm. They need an MRI. (laughs) So what's the difference between an MRI and a CAT scan? That's also a good question. A CT scan, computer-directed tomography, is actually, and again, oversimplification, but it works. It's actually taking X-ray up to a whole different level. It's doing a 3D reconstruction of the structures that you're looking at in the neck and back, for example. And again, it gives excellent detail if you're looking for bony injury. And it can give you some information about the discs, but it's just not nearly as good as an MRI for that. CT is not going to be as good on the shoulder or the knee as an MRI will be if you're looking for a meniscus tear, torn rotator cuff or labrum. And the CT is, is... useful more for when you're looking either for bony injury, tumor, mass displacement. Now, you can use CT to look at the chest and the belly quite well, and they'll do that in the emergency department quite often. And the reason is they want to know, do you have internal bleeding? CT is excellent for that. And they'll do that of the head, for example. If they think you've really gotten a bad head injury, you want to make sure that there's not a bleed in the brain or a bleed in the chest or a bleed in the belly. And that is an appropriate thing to do if you've got a seriously injured person. When is it, because one of the topics I think that can be somewhat controversial today is about talking about pain medicine and when is pain medicine appropriate and what level? Well, you're right. It is controversial because it had been misused so often. And we did. We doctors, I think, overprescribed. And I think we've recognized that now and have started to rein back in. But that does not mean that you can't treat people's pain. There are different ways to treat pain. Sometimes they need a narcotic. Often they don't. And that's why I usually would refer to, I have a friend who's board certified in pain management, trained at Harvard. He runs an acute uh, pain clinic that I like to send to because he knows so much more about it than I do, even though I prescribed narcotics for over 40 years as a surgeon. So uh, it really helps to have somebody that really knows their stuff who can manage pain from lots of different ways, and he has tools in his belt I don't have for pain management. Now, there's a difference, and this is where a real key comes in, between acute pain management, acute means less than 90 days generally, or chronic pain management, over 90 days. If something's going into that long chronic thing, we try to get away from using narcotics most of the time. If possible, there are other things that can be done. But in the acute setting, it's fine to use physician-directed and or their nurse practitioner, I'm not leaving them out either, um, observational uh, application of appropriate pain medicine. And so we do that. It's just you don't want to put somebody on it and leave them on it for months and months and months and months. That's how people will frequently get a dependence. Now, dependence is not the same as addiction. It means their body gets used to it, and they really just can't get off of it without physician help. 
Oh, that's a good distinction. Uh, thank you. And one, one final question talking about the pain management is something that the pain management doctors do, do that maybe you can elaborate on is we hear about epidural injections or pain injections. Yeah, that's usually in the chronic setting. If you get to a point and the epidural, what that is, is it's not like when a woman has a baby, they go in there and just numb all the way across so that she's not really feeling anything from the pelvis down and they can deliver that baby. This is a very specific part or side of the covering over the spinal cord. That's called the dura. So epidural means around the dura sheath. And it's very useful for two reasons. Number one, it can be diagnostic. If, if a pain management doctor goes in and does an epidural injection, the person's pain goes away. Well, they, yeah, they've got nerve root problems. And it's useful also because sometimes it can last for a very long time. Sometimes it doesn't. Uh, sometimes you have to repeat it two or three times to get just the sweet spot on where that person is hurting. But again, that points out a nerve root problem, and it implies, do they need an operation? Do they need to see a spinal surgeon to give a more permanent correction of that? Now, if it's not as severe and if the epidural takes care of it, it's a good tool, it's a good even treatment for chronic ongoing pain. Well, great. Well, Dr. Barrett, I could uh, ask you questions the rest of the day, but I know you got a busy <laughs> schedule ahead. This has been a wealth of information. Thank you so much. Glad to help. Glad to be part of it. In, in conclusion, any uh, just uh, general tips or advice to give someone, you know, if they, whether it's a, a collision or anything, even falling at home, you know, if they're hurt, what's your advice? Well, see a professional instead of just asking the Internet, you know. You're going to get a lot of misinformation that way if you're not careful. And, and I should give people, uh, if you want to check us out and what we bring, if you're in the area, we're Katerra Health, C-A-T-E-R-R-A, health.com is our website. And our office phone is 502-561-6431. We have a really excellent team here, and we'd be glad to help you. There are other people as well that will treat it. You know, Don't misunderstand me. There's some very good uh, professionals out there who can help but get it checked out. Don't just try and live with it because if it's lasting more than a few days, odds are good you could develop a permanent, permanent problem if you don't really check it out. So do you have a, a T-shirt that says, don't confuse Google with my medical degree? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've, I've been tempted to wear something like that to the office. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> well, Dr. Barrett, thank you again for your time today. I know uh, you have a very busy schedule and for you to take the time out of your day to help share some information to everyone. I think uh, I really do appreciate that. Thank you very much. Thank you, Carl. You're an awesome guy. And, and I'll just say right now for the record, your clients always come away very grateful for the help that you and your team render. Well, we get a lot of good feedback and that's why I wanted to talk to you. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Colonel in your corner brought to you by Carl Truman. We hope you enjoyed listening to our guests and their valuable insights. If you liked what you heard, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts.